We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Kyle Porter. Just two more games left in the regular season. It's hard to believe it, isn't it, Kyle? Uh, it, it's crazy. It always goes so fast. And part of it is because you're working on stuff and you kind of look up and you're like, oh, it's, it's almost Thanksgiving. It's crazy. Um, but it's also partly because it's the shortest season of any major sport that we have in, in America. I mean, you look at all the other seasons and they're really, really long, but this one is, is super short. And I think that's part of what makes it great uh, to me. Yeah, you're right. And we, we tend to just look ahead the entire season and all of a sudden it's over, you know, like we'll look past, you know, the, the Kansas game, for instance, most years, I know it's the last game of the year this year, but games like that, you just look ahead look ahead and all of a sudden the season's over. So, yeah. But uh, I was up in uh, Ames, Iowa for the first time in my life. It was the only Big 12 <laughs> stadium I'd never been to, so I got to check that off the old bucket list. It was freezing cold. Uh, but I had a good time up there and got to see a good game. Obviously, we, we broke it down on our post-game show when I was driving back. But um, I've kind of settled down a little bit. It's a good win on the road against a really good team. There, there was two good teams going at it. As frustrating as OSU can be, it was a good win, and they keep their uh, Big 12 title hopes alive. Yeah, they do. I, I did. I, I know we're going to talk Big 12 title hopes here in a second, but I, I had a question for you. This is something I've been thinking about uh, really, I think, for the last three weeks. But do you think this season has been fun for Oklahoma State fans? Not good or bad or exciting or whatever, but do you think it's been fun? Um, yeah, I do. I mean, I think – you know, there's been some some high points. Obviously, the the Pittsburgh game was just like out of a video game. Obviously, yeah. um, they've won the close games. I mean, they they did beat West Virginia on the road. I think a really not fun season would be if they had three losses at this point. Now, yeah, two you do lose to the two the top two teams in the Big Twelve. It ultimately, I think, will be a disappointment. But I don't know about not fun. They're anything but boring. The OSU team, that's for sure. Yeah, I think you're right about the three losses thing. I, I think it's. I think I was talking to our buddy Matt Million about this today. I, the, I think the season will end up overall being a, a little bit of a disappointment, or maybe even a big disappointment if you're not able to play for the Big Twelve title. Um, and and even as as recently as like after the West Virginia game, I think I might have said the season is kind of not that fun. And, and and part of that is expectations going in. You're you're setting yourself up for anything worse than, I don't know, 11-1 and one in the regular season is, like I said, a little bit disappointing. But I, I do kind of think it, it's been fun. You know, the OU game, is, as much as everybody talks about the loss, it was a, it was a fun game. It was, fanta- it was a fantastic uh, exhibit. Um, Iowa State, it was, it was fun. I, I think it was fun. I, I don't know. I, I get, I, I've kind of gone back and forth on it, but I, I think I land where you are in, in that it has been a fun year despite uh, the, the two losses that OSU has uh, after 10 games. Well, it hasn't been fun watching them struggle against teams they should, they should dominate. I mean, let's be honest. The Texas game was, was not fun for anybody. <laughs> no, uh, the, no. the West Virginia just third quarter <laughs> debacle was not fun for anybody. Uh, so I don't know, actually, I might be, I might be reversing court. I don't think it was very fun at all. Actually. No, <laughs> <laughs> Just because like, golly, I mean, could they be more frustrating when they, you know, the, they've had so many games. I thought someone in the comment section really put it well. Um, they said like OSU football for the last, 
oh, I don't know, four or five years has been like four plays away from being undefeated or having like four losses every year. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it seems like this year is the same. Yeah. And I think it depends on how you look at it, you know, and and I've asked myself this question and I I don't really have a very good answer, but are they, are they overachieving because they win all these games by one possession against teams that they're better than, you know, the only teams they've lost to are teams that are, as good as them or, or better than they are, you know, in the, in the Mason Rudolph era, the only exception really um, is central Michigan with an asterisk, but are they overachieving right. because they won all these close games? Or are they underachieving because they're in all these close games against uh, I think what we would deem mostly uh, inferior opponents. I, I actually don't know if Iowa state falls in that category. I think Iowa state's pretty good. I think West Virginia is pretty good. Um, but I think that we both would say, and most people would say that Oklahoma state is, is a lot better than Texas, maybe a, a, a little bit better than, than West Virginia and Iowa, Iowa state and, and probably, you know, enough that, um, that they should be, I don't know, just more heavy handed with the way that they're asserting themselves in these games. And they just, for whatever reason, haven't been. Yeah, for sure. But don't look now, Kyle, Kenny Hill questionable against texas tech uh their their top uh leading rusher out for the season their best tackler also questionable Mm, a lot of of stuff going on is uh the door opening here for osu you think my question for you is kenny hill being out against texas tech a good or a bad thing for for tcu (laughs) i don't know i don't i know nothing about the uh the backup robinson other than he played big time high school football in Texas. You know, Gary Patterson said, look, he's played in front of 50,000 people before. He'll be just fine if he has to play. So yeah, you could look at it two ways. One, it's a, you know, a true freshman starting his first start on the road in a, a game they have to win. Or you can look at it. Well, Kenny Hill's bound to make some mistakes and help out <laughs> tech. So, I mean, it's, you can look at it both ways, but, um, I'm of the opinion. Anytime you go to your backup, it's not a good thing unless you're playing OSU's defense. Well, you got to go to like your your fifth string guy against OSU's defense. But no, I think you're right. We 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 make uh, you know the Kenny Hill jokes are, are pretty low hanging fruit. But I, it, it sounds crazy to say, but you, I think you probably trust Kenny Hill more than you do a, a, a freshman on the road at Tech. Um, you know, we're at the point in Tech season where it's like, are, are the fans still engaged? Are they are they still going to be interested? You know, TCU the week before Thanksgiving. I don't know, maybe not. But I do think the the team is going to be engaged because as as we've talked about, Cliff Kingsbury might be coaching for his job. You know, I, I don't that that might be overstated. It might not be, but I, I think that they will be ready to to play TCU. And for Oklahoma State's sake, I, I hope that they are. Uh, <laughs> I hope they win because that means Oklahoma State would be two game two wins from uh, playing for the Big Twelve Championship. Yeah. And I mean, I talked about this with Brian Keating over the weekend. Like at first I was like, man, I wish it was a night game in Lubbock. That's always tough, you know? And he made the point. It's pretty, I I tend to agree with him. Like I think 11 a.m. actually kind of helps, you know, TCU, if it's TCU, it's 11 a.m. You're just coming off a loss to Oklahoma. You're banged up. Yeah. Uh, It's a sleepy, you know, sleepy time against a tech team that's just down and out. It almost be it almost might set up better because you know if it's a night game TCU might be more up to get up for that game yeah. so yeah. eleven a.m. actually might be even better for their chances but you're right it's a kitchen sink game for Cliff Kingsbury <laughs> he needs to be running flea flickers um, 
throw the kitchen sink at TCU. Plus, it's it's a bit of a rivalry game. I know it's not a rivalry like oh you're in Texas, but Texas Tech fans hate TCU. Like, they they despise TCU. So that's a game yeah. that really could galvanize Cliff Kingsbury. You beat a top fifteen team, you get bowl eligible. There's a lot on the line for Cliff Kingsbury. I know we we just tend to write it off as a win for TCU, but it's more and more and more. I'm giving uh, Tech a better shot than I was this time last week. Yeah, I got two weeks ago after the after the OU loss, I got kind of eviscerated for saying that Oklahoma State could still pretty easily play for the Big 12 title, and now we're here. One loss from TCU, a couple wins from Oklahoma State, and and it's Bedlam Part Two. Uh, is that something? <laughs> is that something that Oklahoma State fans uh, want, should want, are emotionally prepared for? What, what, what's the? Uh, well, at- sure. I mean, they're they're so beaten down right now with bedlam losses like what's what's one more i mean no one will expect them to win that game so they can kind of play free and loose and go after them and i, I guarantee you oh you would much rather see tcu than osu's offense yes. now yes would baker mayfield mind seeing osu's defense again now i doubt he would care but, <laughs> but i mean no i mean how cool would that be we've never seen a neutral site bedlam that would yeah. be just absolutely insane 50 50 Kind of like the OU Texas game, that be, would be yeah. so cool. It'd be pretty cool, just because of how much. I, I mean, it, it, how much would be on the line? I mean, I, I think Mayfield's pretty much wrapped up the Heisman. But if they win against Kansas and West Virginia, then all of a sudden they're playing that game to get in the college football playoff. Oklahoma State would be playing their last game of the Rudolph era uh, with his chance to to kind of you know, lay claim to the only thing he hasn't done really at OSU, which is win a conference title. So I hope it happens. Um, you know, I, I think that it, it's, it, it's going to be weird if it does just, just playing, you know, the same team again, I guess, no matter who it is, that, that would be the case. Um, but I don't know, it's, it's going to be crazy and bizarre and, and all of the above. So I, I, I hope we get that because if it, it feels like OUTCU would be, a, I, I wouldn't, I don't want to say a foregone conclusion, but it just feels like that's a game that OU wins pretty handily. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I do, it reminds me so much, Kyle, I remember the, uh, big 12 basketball, <clears throat> excuse me, the big 12 basketball tournament when we had Bedlam for the first time in a while. And at, uh, I think it was in Oklahoma city mm-hmm. where it was 50, 50, bedlam game they're going up against blake griffin and just i'll never forget how odd it was being at a bedlam game where half the crowd cheers every single time somebody scores that that was bizarre you're so used to like it being a road game for one of the teams that would be just insane they'd be able to sell alcohol in stands i believe at a big <laughs> title game i'm i'm here for all of that that to me would be just absolutely sensational hey i'm i'm here for it too another week of football season traffic for the blog so um, we're going to call, uh, we've got a guest today. We're going to call David <coughs> Gordon, who has been, uh, obviously on our podcast before we had him as a live guest during homecoming last year. He was great. So we're just going to talk to him. I know he's been following along this season. Um, so it's time for the Coop Ale Works guest of the week. Coop Ale Works, bringing great tasting craft beer in Oklahoma city. Try the flagship F5 IPA, the bold DNR Belgian strong ale, or the refreshing horny toad blonde. For your next watch party, tailgate, or get together with friends, enjoy a cold Coop Works, and please remember to drink responsibly. Uh, are you ready to call him, Carson? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Hello? David. What's up? Hey, it's Kyle Porter and, and Carson Cunningham. What's up, guys? Not much. Uh, what are you up to? Man, just uh, got done with 
getting some of our off-season preparations uh, rolling, I guess, for, for football up here at the school at Mustang High School and heading home for the day. What's going on? Well, not much. Uh, just go ahead, Carson. Yeah, I just wanted to talk to you about some uh, OSU football. Uh, I know you said you're coaching for Mustang right now. Um, have you been able to go up to Stillwater at all this year? Yeah, I've been to a couple games. Um, I went to uh, Bedlam and then also the TCU game. Wow. Don't don't go to any more. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm debating whether I want to go to, you know, any more the rest of the season, even the bowl game or anything like that. I'm not sure if I'm going to show my face in anymore, so we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, what what has that transition been like for you to go from, obviously, uh, you know, playing in college and then, you know, getting some a little bit of time in the NFL to, to coaching in high school? Have you been able to – um, real relate well to, to the kids in high school and, and do they listen to you or are they just like, you know, who's this guy? How, how's that worked out for you? <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, that's a really good question. Uh, it's been an adjustment for sure. Uh, uh, the adjustment from going to, from college to the pro game was definitely uh, a big one. And then, uh, from there, when I went from Atlanta back to coaching at the high school level was, uh, might've been an even bigger adjustment for one. And, um, just the differences in the game and the way kind of obviously the speeds and stuff like that, but even to the schemes and uh, really dealing with the kids. Yeah. Uh, I like to think they listen to me. I'm not, <laughs> not entirely sure on that one still, but um, you know, that's probably the biggest adjustment is, is realizing the, the different kind of kids, you know, that I'm dealing with and uh, what kids can take certain kind of coaching who can take the little bit harder coaching and, um, you know, it's, it's still an adjustment for me, for me, for me really to, um, just to understand, you know, what, what they can comprehend and what they can't comprehend. And as far as lingo and the terminology that, you know, I've been used to using the last really five years from the college and pro level. So, uh, it's, it's definitely been an adjustment, but it's a lot of fun, man. It's still football and I'm getting help kids out and especially in the town where I'm from and where I got to play my high school ball. So it's, uh, it's been it's been a lot of fun up to this point. Is Josh Cooper still on staff with you guys? You know, Josh was for this season, but uh, as of now, he's not. I don't think so, at least. Because uh, he was actually in what we call a lay position, uh, kind of like a, a volunteer coach. Every school in Oklahoma is allowed to have one of those. So uh, he was that guy for us. And as of right now, I don't think his plans are to come back. I'm, I'm not sure exactly what he's doing, but – uh, we loved having him there this year. He was a big help for us. I know, I know the kids really enjoyed him a lot. So he's a uh, he's a smart guy when it comes to football. Man, he's pretty soft spoken, but he he definitely knows what he's talking about. So, so are you and JW Walsh like like plotting about how you're going to take over? You know, like the the coaching staff at Oklahoma State in like 2023. How, how's that working out? Uh, yeah, man, that's what we, that's what we sit there and text about every single night, really. Um, no, 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 I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, it's, it's, it's been a brief and maybe one or two of our conversations and kind of more, I guess you could say wishful thinking or kind of a, uh, maybe a dream for both of us to do. And whether we're up there or not, I think being on staff together is one thing that'd be, um, a lot of fun for both of us one day. So. I know uh, there's been quite a few articles that have came out about him and, um, you know, taking over Gundy whenever he's done and all, and all that, those articles, I think Crabtree was one of the guys that pointed it out and sparked that conversation. So, um, 
you know, I think that is probably one of J-Dub's goals and dreams. And uh, I've thrown my name out there to him. You can say that. So just keep me in mind, John. That's... Well, David, the, uh, you know, you played alongside, you know, what they call the cardiac Cowboys, you know, and now they have another chapter in that, in that book with the win at Iowa State. You played in a very similar game in Ames in your career. Now that you're sitting back and watching at home, and just since you were inside the locker room, how is this team able to win so many close games, make so many comebacks? I think they're 14-1 and one in games decided by less than, than 10 points. Just what is it about Mike Gundy and his staff and just you guys as a player that was, enables you guys to play so well and, and win tight games? Yeah, uh, sorry, I kind of, I think I missed the first part of your question, but I think I caught enough of the last half there to understand what you're asking. But, um, yeah, I think the game the game was very similar to where I played up there last year, and we pulled out a tight one to go 10-0 and or whatever it was that year. Um, you know, I think just the experience, you know, of those guys. You have obviously Mason um, at the quarterback position is what you want to have uh, the most experience in probably of anyone else on your team. But then also from there it goes to your center uh, and all the way across the line. When your center and your quarterback have taken that many snaps together, I think that's a big deal, especially when you got a guy that's as bright as Lumblade is. And then uh, when you look at the other side of the ball with guys like Chad Whitener and Trey Flowers out there, you know, um, guys that are that steady and – on the program that long and I've been in a lot of tight ball games especially on the road and been up there in Ames particularly and won won a close one uh that that pays that pays off in the end and I think it's really shown for these guys I mean cardiac cardiac cowboys is is a real I think we've all come to see that that is a real thing and, uh, <laughs> but hey whatever keeps people in their seats and uh, keeps people coming to the games and coach Gundy keeps the you know the press conferences light because of it whatever it is man it's something's working and is going well. So uh, I just think a collective thing, you know, all the experience, um, you know, the coaching staff for one has also been together a long time. You don't see that at a lot of places, you know, you have one or two coaches that might be in some places for a long time, but those guys up there that are in those front offices have been, they've been through a lot of football together. So they know, um, they kind of know, you know, what to expect from one another in those tight situations. And when you got the players, the, on the other end of it to handle those situations, it, it, it helps, man. And it's a, it's an equation for winning football games. That's for sure. You know, uh, Mike Gundy has talked a lot this year and, and even this week about kind of the culture that has been created at Oklahoma state. And, and I think some of that comes off as a little bit of coach speak, but to me, some of it rings true. And, and as Gundy would say, you live that life and, and you are a part of that. How, how much of that, um, you know, creates, winning teams and is the reason that Oklahoma State wins 9, 10, 11 games a year? Um, and I believe in it 100%. Uh, I think if, if if you don't have guys that are bought in, that's one thing he, he asked of us from day one of when I got on campus, that you got to buy into something um, in your life, whatever it's going to be, whether it's football, whether it's your job, whether it's your family. Um, whatever you want to have success in in life, you're going to have to buy into something and follow some rules and some uh, some plans, and uh, you're going to have to you're going to have to buy by and do do what's right. And so that's kind of that was the message that we received. I remember my class specifically; we were sitting in there, and so when he told us that and told us, um, you know, he kind of just laid the baseline for a lot of things that it is when it, when you're coming into the to the program that this is the way we do things. You're either for it or you're not, and um, 
So when guys truly buy in, uh, you, you do, you create a culture. And with the messages that, that he gives off, you know, he's talked about fear, frustration, and fatigue. He's talked about attitude and effort from the time that, that I was there. And so those are things that, that have stuck with me to where I'm at now and starting my coaching career and, and just even being around, around Mustang now, you know, guys around here where I'm at, we, we try to teach them that you got to, you got to buy into something. You got to have some kind of culture. You got to have something you stand for. So um, whatever it is that, that clicks and that registers the kids, um, that's what you got to do. And so when I was there, I, I like to think that I fully bought in and gave it everything I could. I know there was lots of guys around me like J-Dub and those guys um, that, that did the same. And we talked about it ourselves, you know, and, and obviously, you know, I like to think it works when, when you're winning that many games a year. So, Yeah, for sure. I mean, Marcel Aitman had a big game against Iowa State and really has had a, a big season all around. And obviously he missed all of last year with an injury. But, man, he, he seems like he's made a lot of money this year. Just how, how impressed have you been with him and what was it like playing alongside him? Uh, man, I love Marcel. And I guess he's – I've seen that uh, the stuff on social media now about um, Marcel Aitman. You know, he's been on Randy Moss's little uh, piece <laughs> that he puts on ESPN a couple times. And that's pretty cool, man. If you if you got Randy Moss's eye at that position, um, that's that's big time. But Marcel is – man, he's a great person, first of all. Uh, he is, he's absolute – I know he's a student of the game, and he's kind of grown to that when he first came in, was kind of the guy that just thought he can go up and Moss everybody. And I think Coach Dunn would kind of attest to that and to think that now he's come a long ways and he studies the game, he studies his route running, he studies the defense. And so, um, and I think it's all showing. He's, he's physical. He's a lot more physical now than he was when he first came in. Uh, um, so all those things is when you put it all together with his, just his ball skills, like I said, the route running, and now it's physical nature. I mean, now that, you know, he had that extra year, I think it, it helped him a lot. It might have been a uh, – a true blessing in disguise for that kid and man i could not be happier for him could not be happier for him i love that guy and glad to see all the success he's having and i'm, gonna... I'm and i saw a uh i'm not sure about his numbers just gonna throw this out there i'm not a big numbers guy but i'm not I, and i don't know what his numbers are but i saw a top 10 list for the blitnikoff and i was pretty surprised that him and james both weren't on it yeah um, like i said i don't know i don't know numbers but if that guy's not a top 10 receiver in the country then you know i'm some some's a little fishy in that in that sense. Yeah, I agree with that. I think he's almost at uh, like 900 yards and and eight touchdowns, which is pretty solid considering he's the number two guy. I I do want to put you on the spot here though and ask you who you think is going to have a better pro career between him and James Washington because not only did, did you play with both of them, but you you know saw what it takes in the NFL and and just saw the types of guys that are um, you know that are successful there. So I'm curious which one you think is going to be a better pro. Oh man, I'm cringing right now. Um, <laughs> Don't do that to him, Kyle. Well, I mean, yeah, you can you, um, you can say that both are going to be good and one is going to be better. I'm I'm not saying that you have to say one's going to flame out. No, <laughs> I, I understand. I understand. That was just honestly because my initial thought was God, I really have no idea. Now I'll say this: um, just just from what I saw and everything, and in my short time there at the next level. Um, the part that got to me was with James Washington, obviously ball skills, um, as good as you can get his speed. Um, abil the ability to track the football is downfield is on a deep ball is, is like no other. Um, they talked a lot about the coaching staff I was with in that time talked a lot about Deshaun, uh, Deshaun Jackson, not a real big guy, but his ability to track the football downfield 
And uh, that was something that really registered me to me about James. Um, I think he, he still got a little work to do when it comes to getting off press, his um, moves off the line and a couple small things like that. But for James, um, with as many deep shots that are taken off play action, and, you know, you're going against the DBs that are a little bit better. But with his ability to track the football in the air, man, and go up and get it and attack it and use his body kind of in the way that Blackman did back in the day and catch the ball over his outside yeah. shoulder, it's, it's really impressive. Um, and, and Marcel, his physical nature of going up and the timing at the high point is what has probably impressed me the most about him this year and his improvement. So um, between those two things, man, I, I honestly, I can't tell you. I love both those guys, so I'm not going to sit here and pick one. They both, I think, have a great future in the NFL. Um, who do I think is going to go? I'll, I'll just say, I'll say, I think, obviously, James is going to go higher because uh, that's what everybody knows. He's a big name and stat guy, and he's been around for a long time making plays through the last four years. But don't be surprised if Marcel goes goes up there pretty soon after as well. So that's that's kind of my take on it. And like I said before, I'm so happy that he's had a big year for us and He's made some big plays and some big games for for the Cowboys this year at Texas yeah. Tech, and then obviously in Ames last weekend. Man, those are some big time football plays right there. Kyle and I were lucky enough to play golf with uh, Remington Rebstock, graduate assistant at OSU, and he told me something about yep. James I'll, I'll never forget. That he said that when the ball's in the air, you know, most receivers tend to slow down and their eyes get big. Like he's the only receiver he's ever seen that Washington like speeds up. And there was a few plays like that in Bedlam, and ever since he's told me that, I've, I've noticed that. Is that something you noticed about him, and just how freaky of an attribute is that as a receiver to have that ability? Yeah, um, you know, I give credit to Coach Dunn on that one because that's something that um, before, I mean, obviously I was young and immature going into the game of football when I was going into Stillwater, but Coach Dunn was huge on that. Um, you know, when the ball's in the air – it's not necessarily the guys that can stop and come get it because a lot of guys can do that. It's the guys who can speed up to go catch those balls that it looks like they're going to be out of reach. But then if you're the guy that can make that ball in reach and you can get your fingertips on it and pull it in, that's going to separate a lot of guys. And so um, he's got that rare ability to do that, man. And it's and even for that split second of when you can see the football in the air or kind of on its way up and realize where it's going to be, and then if you can take your eyes off the football for a second – because obviously no one runs full speed with their head turned up in the air. So if you can take your uh, eyes off the football, straighten your head up a little bit, and take an extra you know, three or four strides within that quick second on a deep ball, um, that's going to give you a big advantage. And that, so that is um, – that's one thing that I say Rev Stock hit it on the nail right there. You know, that's that's very true about him. And I'll give Coach Coach Don a lot of credit right there. He's, he's, he's in my opinion, one of the best coaches in college football, definitely at the receiver position. Um, but he knows those kind of things that certain guys they can um, they can have that ability to do, and you don't really preach that to all your guys because they don't all show that ability and that um, they don't show that whatever uh, the capability to do that. So uh, that's that's big time if you, if you ask me. And Coach Dunn will tell you the same thing next time you see him and ask him. But that was kind of preached to James since day one from the time he came in. So credit where it's due. I got to ask you about Carson's guy, uh, Tyron Johnson. Uh, obviously, you were at Bedlam. He had a huge Bedlam game, probably the best game of his career. Carson uh, loves him, thinks he's a thinks he's a huge talent. I do too. I, I'm, I don't know why I'm picking on Carson, but um, just what what have you what have you seen out of him that's that's impressed you most out of that position? 
Well, from what I've seen out of him is he's just—I think he's just a ball player. Um, now, what I've heard about him is that he's—he's he's much more than that. Uh, the guys, you know, talking to one of my buddies, Austin Hayes, last year, uh, who was my roommate, good friend still to this day. He just told me he told me he might be he thinks he's the most complete guy overall. And the fact that he runs the deep routes, he runs the short routes, he runs the intermediate. He's great with the ball in his hands, run after catch, he can block. Um, he's physical. He does it all. So, from what I've seen of him myself, is probably the same things you guys have seen. And and the fact that he just has big play capability. And that he's gonna go, he's gonna go get it when it's up in the air. So um, I think next year he's gonna have, he's gonna have a lot more opportunities. Obviously with this, the guys that are leaving. So um, I just, what I've heard and what I've seen so far, I think he does have probably one of the best overall skill sets from the wide receiver position on the team. So, and that's saying a lot, as we all know, with the guys that are up there right now. Oh, that was music to my ears, David. I love hearing you say that. <laughs> I hope so. I hope they get him the ball more next year. But uh, we'll get you out on this, David. Appreciate you uh, taking some time out for us. But, you know, Mike Gundy, after the Bedlam game, talked so much about the environment they've built. It was kind of a culmination game where the the crowd was amped. It was a sold-out crowd and really just a big-time college football environment. You were there as a a former player. Just how proud of you were were you of that environment and just how how cool that experience was? Man, it was awesome. It was awesome. In fact, of you know, game day, um, just starting with that. Anytime you get that, it's a big deal. And the and the crowd that was there at game day, um, the buzz in the stadium, the buzz before the game. Uh, like I've been to I've been to a couple games since since I was done, and even even when I was there playing, you know, I'm not sure. It's different when you hear the the noise in the stadium or up in the stands versus on the field. But you know, I really don't know if if I've ever heard Boone Pickens louder than that on that day. So that was, uh, that was big time. And I remember specifically TCU a few years ago when we played him at home, Yep. that play Boone Pickens was rocking that day. So, um, it was, it was awesome to see, man. And just for the program in general, it's, it's a great thing and it's only going up. So, um, props to props to coach Gundy and his culture, man. He's definitely created it. Yep. Totally. Okay, David, appreciate your time, man. Hey, before before you go, uh, this kind of segment is sponsored by uh, Coop L Works. Have you ever had a Have you ever had Coop beer? <laughs> I have. What, what's your sure What's your have. favorite one? We We usually ask our get. Clint Shelf tried to tell us that he brought up another like a different kind of beer, like a different brand. I was like, bro, this is sponsored by by Coop, not <laughs> you know, not somebody else. But what What's your favorite kind of Coop that you've had? I honestly don't know. I think I've only had two, and I just remember the colors. Because don't they have the, all the cans that are the different colors? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can give us the color. Okay, so one was blue. Whatever one was blue, and the other one was red. The so, uh, the blue I think is the wheat, the elevator wheat. Okay, if it okay if that's wheat, then that makes sense. Then that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, the wheat yeah. one would for sure be one of my tops. Yeah, so, that's a that's good a good, one. good choice. Great yeah. choice. Okay, David. Uh, hey, good luck. Just, Go ahead. No, no, no. I, I, I was gonna. Never mind. I'm not gonna pull Clint Chelsea there. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, never David. Mind. Hey, good. Good luck with everything at Mustang, and uh, we appreciate it uh, as always for you joining us. Yeah, guys, I appreciate you having me. Have a good one. Talk to you later. See you, David. See ya. Okay. He didn't. He didn't go chelf on us. That was good. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm proud he remembered the color. That that was able. Uh, that enabled us to decipher what his favorite uh, 
uh, kind was. Well, I, when he said blue, I know you were immediately thinking Tyron Siren, the Saturday Siren. No, no, no. I knew I knew Coop Elevator right away. Yeah, well, you you might have been hoping anyway. Um, <laughs> I really I loved what he said about the Bedlam atmosphere. Just it, it, and it's so unique. You know, you and I can sit here and just. Oh, it was the loudest I've ever heard it. But he's, as Gundy would say, lived that life and actually like been on the field for it and remembers that stuff. And uh, so it was cool to get his perspective, sort of on um, like as a like after his playing career on on the Bedlam game. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. And he's right. It's it's totally different on the field versus up in the stands. But uh, I do think he's right. I think it was probably the loudest that stadium's been on on the whole. And uh, Really fascinating to hear him talk about Marcel and James and just what they bring to the table and that that freakish ability James has to track balls when they're in the air and even turn. I didn't know I didn't even know he's capable of turning completely away from it and keep yeah. running and then turn around and catch it. That That's, to me just seems so difficult and just makes James even that much more impressive. It it really is crazy. Uh, it's insane and and what he said about Austin Hayes saying that that Tyron might be the the I think he said most complete guy. I mean, you know, you've been you've been preaching it from day one, and I became a believer after Bedlam. Um, I'm excited about next year, man. You know, Tylen, uh, Tyron, the 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 uh, Justice, JD, Chuba. If they can figure out who's going to play quarterback, I mean, they could have something on offense. Yeah, they have a lot of playmakers. When you stop and go up and down the list, like you did, um, the Tylen, the Tylen Tyron connection. The tag team duo. Yeah, I'm I'm already liking the sound of that. But yeah, uh, yeah quarter. As we've seen in the Big Twelve, Kyle, it, it it always comes down to quarterback. The most experienced quarterback typically wins. So that that's going to be a challenge. But uh, no, their offense should be fine. I think just a matter of who's going to play quarterback. But David's always been a good guest, and he was he was excellent once again. Yeah, totally. Uh, that'd be cool if you know if if he was able to get into college coaching and you know I, I think that people sort of we do this thing where we're like oh well they could just you know coach at OSU someday and like that's not a that that path is usually a lot more complicated than that so I, I think that there are some people who like legitimately think that J.W. Walsh is going to take over from Mike Gundy and maybe he is but it, it it's a little bit it's a little bit uh more difficult than I think some people make it out to be but that's pretty cool that he's, uh, you know, getting into that and, and you know, wish him well in, in that endeavor. For sure. I mean, he's following the foot. You know, he was always compared to Josh Cooper coming out of Mustang High School, same alma mater. Yeah. Went to OSU, slot receiver. So uh, we'll see it. We'll see where his coaching career takes him. But he, all you got to do is listen to the guy talk. He knows what he's talking about. So uh, yeah, totally. It, wouldn't I, surprise it, me at all if he climbs the ranks fast. Well, and, and we, I go back to the homecoming when we had him for homecoming last year after the West Virginia game, and and he, I, I thought he was so it was so insightful to hear him talk about like just the differences in the in the pro game and the college game, and he he clearly has become or, or maybe he's always been a a, a student of it, and and. Uh, I don't know. I bet, he's, I bet he's fun to play for at Mustang. It'd be kind of kind of cool to to uh, to play for him. But um, we need to talk uniforms, Carson. Uh, I know you're ready. I'm Do not we have ask. to? I'm not going to ask if you're ready. I know you're ready. Let's get to, <laughs> okay. let's get to this week's uniform review. Brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop on Campus Corner, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Not a great look uh, in Ames on Saturday. Um, the, the Ed Hardy helmet, the white 
jersey and, and the gray pants. What was your what was your takeaway from being there? Uh, I wish they had worn the orange pants, and that would have been perfect on my prediction. But um, <laughs> I thought they looked like an arena team. I thought they looked more <laughs> like the uh, they looked more like the Arizona Rattlers than the uh, Oklahoma State Cowboys. But uh, no, I mean, <laughs> but again, I I'm all for, <laughs> I'm all for experimentation with uniforms. I'd much rather see them try that than wear something they've worn 10 times already with the new uniform. So, hey, I'm all for experimentation. So I didn't didn't love it, didn't hate it, just thought they looked like they didn't play for OSU. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. Just pick a different helmet and it's great. Like People, the the helmet is so divisive. People either absolutely love it or they absolutely hate it. Yeah. Um, I, I just... To me, the and I, and I I also appreciate you know as much as I make fun of the Ed Hardy helmet, they were trying to do something very Oregon like you know like something very different, something loud, and they tried to make it you know Oklahoma State centric. Uh, just the barbed wire just on on the, as the stripe and it's how it's crooked, and then there's even barbed wire on the paisley. It's just it's not for me. Now some people love it. That's that's fine. It's just it's it's not for me. It's the uh, it's the American politics of the Oklahoma State uniform set, just the most polarizing thing that you could <laughs> you could possibly well, come across. And, and I, you know, I'm in a I'm friends with some OU guys, and they always they they call you know I call it the Ed Hardy, they call it the Affliction print that's on yeah, the helmet. Yeah, but it's uh it's easily poked fun at by the by the rivals. Um, I thought that one of my favorite kind of underrated all-time sets is at Arizona 2012 when Wes Lunt threw for like 1,100 yards that, you know, like midnight. <laughs> uh, was it was, white, white, gray? Yeah. And and I thought if I, – I, I, and this is what I picked. I picked white, white, black at Ames. But I, I, want, the, I want to see the white helmet with the, with the chrome brand that they wore to open the season in, in 2016. I thought that would have been an awesome look, but they went, they went affliction instead. Speaking of OU, OU going Jordan Brand uh, in 2018. What, what's your uh, what's your thought on that? Well, it's it's brilliant recruiting wise. I mean, I, I know people just jump to conclusions. Go, oh, what's a basketball player doing on a football uniform? Well, it's it's Jordan Brand <laughs> has become so much more than a than a basketball brand. It's it's like the brand just in general clothes shoes whatever for for kids high school kids college kids i mean jordan brands what people want to wear and it differentiates oklahoma from every other nike school you know everyone's got nike now pretty much you know if they're not adidas or under armor and i think it's going to help their recruiting now how much i don't know but um you know james Frashilla, who is fran Frashilla's son he played he was a walk-on basketball player at oklahoma he went as far as to say that that them being Jordan will flip one to two basketball recruits and three to four football recruits. And before people just scoff at that, you know, we we've talked with you know OSU coaches up at Carson Creek, and you know, several of them said kids these days care more about likes and retweets from certain colleges than they do about what coach will be coaching them or what the yeah. depth chart says like that's just where we're at in society when it comes to recruiting so th- yeah. this is a huge move for oklahoma it's they become just the third school in the country to have it that makes them just totally different than you know everybody else pretty much well and, and the brilliance of it is that they're they're never going to go the way of oregon or oklahoma state where they've got you know 800 different uniform combinations 
And, and so right. if you're gonna, if you're going to stay traditional, then you have to have something that makes you unique, and and this is it, you know. And so mm-hmm. that that I I thought that I think that is the the most brilliant part out of out of the whole thing. And man, yeah, what, they've they've talked too about how important it is to preserve the traditional uniforms. And I think that's if you're in Oklahoma, you absolutely should. Whereas if you're Oklahoma State and you have no tradition when it comes to uniforms, I love what OSU's done. But yeah. I think now, Kyle, with every single team, even Ohio State's going with these alternate uniforms, like not not good to me. To me, there's more, there's almost more value now having one of those traditional, boring, quote unquote, boring uniforms. Because when you're flipping channels now, it takes you like a while to learn who's playing. I mean, I know you can read the little scoreboard in the corner, but when you turn it on Oklahoma, there's no like, that's okay. There's OU. They're playing. Let's watch them now. Oh, OU's even done alternate uniforms just for recruiting as well. But I'm just saying, there's even added value now being a traditional uniform. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, by the way, the, what Ohio State's done with their alternates not good at all. I, I don't, I don't, I don't understand. It's an atrocity. It's a, it's a crime against <laughs> all that is holy with college football. Uh, they should not make the playoffs simply for wearing what they wore against Penn State and what they're wearing against they're, Michigan. I was going to say they're wearing it again. By the way, the the crying Jordan, the excuse me, the crying Jordan memes, as Bryce Harper would call them, when OU is, gets upset the first time it's in the Jordan <laughs> brand gear. I mean, I'm going to get more traffic out of that than anything that Oklahoma State does next year. It's Will that be, meme still be around? Like, I keep waiting for it to go away, but like every now and then, there's a great one, and it's just it's back. <laughs> <laughs> so I was at uh, I was at this church thing a couple weeks ago, and Southwell sent the uh, <laughs> he sent the the crying Jordan uh, X ray of Aaron Rodgers' clav of his like collarbone. <laughs> yeah, I, I for some reason I pulled my phone out. I almost had to leave the room. I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> it was unbelievable. The, the I know. Crea- just, the creativity. That's the one I'm, I think that's the one I'm thinking of where I, I thought to myself, <laughs> just when I think this meme is gone and not funny anymore, I, I just laughed my head off. It was it hilarious. Was, oh, it was unreal. The, the, uh, there was another great one. I think maybe the, um, the 12th Old Augusta when Spieth hit it in the water. <laughs> I think I where think was some, the Jordan? I think I think somebody like crying Jordan like Ray's Creek. Like the, oh, they made like a they made like a cartoon map of the hole, and it was it was crying Jordan's face. Yeah, that was it. It was so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, anytime OU loses, it's going to be on like Baker Mayfield's jersey or whoever, whenever they're yeah. wearing them. Yeah. Um. Okay, we're, we're off the rails here, but uh, let's hear one more time from our sponsor, Chris's University Spirit, and then we will come back and wrap this podcast up. Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma, is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986 and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom-printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head-to-toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop Stilly. Shop Chris's University Spirit. 
Okay, Carson. Um, just final takeaways from Iowa State. Anything David Glidden said, or or uh, just how you think the Big Twelve is going to play out over the next two weeks? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a little more interesting than I thought. I mean, I'm going to be fascinated to watch TCU Texas Tech now with all the you know injuries with Kenny Hill and everything I'm fully expecting the Robinson kid to come in and throw for like 400 yards and <laughs> five touchdowns but uh and here's something interesting too Kyle like OSU plays at 230 that game's on at 11 doesn't Gundy have to like confiscate the players phones just so they're not paying attention to that game when they're getting ready for their game just like you have to play it like we have to win this game don't even worry about what's going on in Lubbock you know what I mean isn't yeah. that isn't yeah. that a potential distraction I know. I was. I was. I was actually thinking about that exact scenario. About guys are in the locker. I mean, are they gonna have it on in the locker room? Are they gonna like blacklist pistolsfiringblog.com dot com so that so that nobody can like <laughs> get on the, you know, check out the site? I, I don't know. Uh, I, I think you're right though, and I think that I think they've done a pretty good job all year of just saying, you know, the Big Twelve hap- or the the title game happens when it happens and whatever. But on the flip side, don't you kind of want to know? Like, if you if if TCU loses, don't you want to don't you want to know that? Give you a little extra juice for what could be a kind of a tricky Kansas State team. Well, it's vice versa. What if TCU wins? Do you just fall flat on your face during the K State game? I think you just ignore it totally and find out after the game. And and it's it's also good they're playing at two thirty and not at seven. Then it's just unavoidable and they know the result. Whereas yeah. they're gonna be warming up, you know. Times the game two thirty, they'll be out there on the field by by one. Now they might have a good idea of how that game's going by then, obviously. But um, I don't know. That's that's a potential distraction. If I'm like Gundy, I just say, "Give me your phones. Just get ready for the game. We'll worry about it afterwards." <laughs> he just like he has like a grad assistant standing with a bag at the door. Like you just drop your phone in. Yeah, put them put them in your. <laughs> don't they have like safes in their locker? Like put it in your safe. Give me. Give me all the keys to your safes. <laughs> I don't know how that works, but uh, I think he has to he has to limit that for sure. Last thing I want to ask you about again, he mentioned this on the uh, and he talk, he says this like once a year, so it's not breaking news. But I wrote about it briefly on Tuesday for the blog. But uh, eighteen playoff, uh, Gundy talked about it that college football. He said so much money involved. I mean, it's just it's inevitable. I don't. My my Mike Gundy is still a Pat Jones. Like I I, I talk as if Mike Gundy is Pat Jones, but um, kind of does. Just your thoughts on whether you think that will happen and whether you think that it's good for college football that it happens. Uh, I think it will happen. I think it's good for college football that it happens because then there's just, there's no debate anymore. It's the five conference champions are in. Then if you want to debate the at larges, fine, have at it. I, I would say that if you're like the top two seeds, I think they almost would deserve a buy at that point. Maybe just I, I worry about the number of games, but it's been pointed out to me, you know, deep division two plays that many games NFL, obviously. So maybe I'm worried too much about at that point. Like don't injuries become a, a factor or of attrition. I, I worry about too many games, but I think the only fair way to do it is an 18 playoff. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's more egalitarian than what is, what is uh, taking place right now? The the problem, and and this is something that my dad and I talked about when the BCS moved to the college football playoff, is his concern with that was, um, 
or, or excuse me, when when the when the like when everybody was moving away from the bowl system and towards like the BCS and the college football playoff and all that stuff, he was like, doesn't this like take some of the fun out of um, like it's it like college football is a circus, right? Like it's a traveling circus, and w- when you start. Uh, democratizing things like the NFL does, it takes some of the like fun out of arguing about whether a one loss Ohio State team should be in over a one loss Miami, or I guess a six loss Ohio State team should be in over a one loss Miami team or whatever. And I, I sort of am concerned about going to an eight team playoff in which you know if you're a conference champion, you get in. Doesn't that remove some of that circus aspect that we enjoy about college football to the whole thing? Yeah, for sure. But uh, you would argue that there would have been concerns of that before we went to a four-team committee, wouldn't you? I mean, I would. Yeah, but 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 with the four-team with the four-team playoff right now with the committee, there's still such a human element. Like you don't even if you win your conference championship, you're not guaranteed that you get in. And so I think it it this drama remains over whether you were good enough as a conference champion to get in because there are still humans picking this thing. No, I, I get that point. But um, I would be for, because all it's going to take, Kyle, is one of, you know, one of these years, the SEC or Big Ten are going to get left out, and then it's just going to happen. Then people are going to throw a fit, and then we're going to have eight teams. So I might as well do it now, in my opinion. Big Ten might get left out this year. They should. Yeah, they should. If Wisconsin loses, they should. But again, as I warned you on our postgame show, Ohio State's going to get in. If they went out and win the Big Ten... That's I think disgusting. they're going to be the fourth team. That's disgusting. It's just gross. I mean, they 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 gave up fifty five points to Iowa, who didn't even get like a hundred total yards against Wisconsin. <laughs> That's a serious statement. The big like, and I love how people just rip Big Twelve defenses. Can we not rip the horrific quarterback play of the Big Ten? Yeah. The horrific offense in the SEC. The horrific offenses across the country. At what point does it does the narrative flip a little bit to that side of the ball? That's what drives me crazy. It's absurd. Yeah. No, I, <laughs> where are we at in society? You got um, freaking Purdue. You got like a Purdue transfer playing quarterback at LSU. Give me a break. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. Okay. Don't make me get on my Big Ten soapbox either yeah i know i shouldn't i shouldn't have gone down that path so late in the podcast uh well we appreciate david glidden coming on that was great again uh you and i will be back on thursday carson as we uh as we start winding down we might have to talk a little basketball on thursday oklahoma state basketball two games into its season uh brandon everett uh ended a a player's life last night on the court (laughs) with a great dunk i didn't know he could do such things and i especially didn't know he didn't know he could do that in a turquoise uniform (laughs) I don't know if anyone knew he could do those things. It was his first collegiate dunk, and it was like Markel Brown-esque. That was. He he cocked it back, and yeah, it was impressive. So, yeah, they've looked pretty good so far. We'll we'll learn more, obviously, as they play better teams. But, uh, yeah, we'll have to talk some hoops on Thursday. Yeah, for sure. Um, Okay, Uh, enjoyed it, and we'll talk to you later in the week. Sounds good. See ya. See ya.